The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. Well, I hope that you guys had a great Easter. We had a great Easter here. If you joined us, I'm so glad that you did. Um, we're really glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us or new with us, we hope that you'll take a moment and visit our, our visitor information table. We have a gift for you that we want to give you. It's like in that bag, there's a, there's a book and there's a journal and there's some information about us as a church, who we are. We know that visiting a new church can be really tough. It can be awkward and sometimes confusing. And we want to help make that process as easy as possible. And so when you go over there, please receive that gift uh, from us to you. Um, also, if you are trying to figure out, you know, what is Holy Cross all about? What's important to them? Uh, what makes them tick? What, is, uh, what are they really about? We actually have a membership class coming up May 17th. It's in three weeks. And uh, this is a great place if you're just wanting to know more about our church or if you're wanting to actually join the church, then this is a great uh, thing to go to. It's two and a half hours on Saturday morning. I mean, it started be like a 13-week thing, and then like a one month, and then we boil it down to like two and a half hours. Just come. It's, it's really informative. It's really uh, simple, and it's also a great way to meet people in the church. Uh, you're going to see something like this at the visitor table, uh, so please register if you want to come to that. Going to the class doesn't require you to join in any way. Uh, we won't hound you about that. We'll simply invite you uh, to walk through that process with us. Uh, so uh, register if you want to be a part of it, and put it in the box that's on the table on there. So Easter comes and goes, and it's quick. It happens too quickly. And so what we decided to do was this three-week series around Easter called Near the Cross. You know, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at approaching the cross and what it looks like to to have a mind and heart that is set on the cross. And then last Sunday, Easter, we talked about conquering the cross. And then this week, we're talking about living by the cross. A week after Easter, looking back on the cross and seeing how do we live a life of faith in Jesus based on what he has done on the cross for us. And so today is about walking by faith. Whether we approach success in life or, or difficulty or struggle or whatever. And the writer of Hebrews, probably the Apostle Paul, we don't know for sure, he uses the analogy of a race, of running a foot race to describe the life of faith in Jesus. And this is very common in Paul's writings. He often does this, talks about the preparation involved in athletics and running a race. He talks about faith and how there's this aspect of training and practicing and also pain and struggle. Athletics and competition and sports can be helpful in understanding both the joys and the challenges of a life of faith in Jesus, because there are both. And so this morning I really... I really don't want to do that, the guy thing that just uses a bunch of sports analogies talking about the Bible. I'm actually trying to be really careful to not do that, but I'm going to do that this morning because that is where our passage goes. It uses this sport analogy, and so we're going to use that as well. My wife is a runner. She loves to run. She's running a half marathon and, and several other smaller races. Uh, I know that we have a bunch of racers here and runners. Uh, yesterday, she was even in that mud run at Push Ridge. Some of you were even there. And she just loves to be a part of things like that. And there's a simple reason why I don't enjoy running. I I just don't like it. I don't enjoy doing it when I'm running. It's nothing profound. I just don't like it. And my dislike for running is greater than my desire to be in shape. So, I mean, Pete, what would you rather be? Would you rather be in shape or would you rather run? Well, I'd rather... 
wait, this is the same thing. Would you rather, would you rather hate running or just be out of shape? It's like, well, duh, I'd rather be out of shape. And so I, I want to, there's a few other things that I don't like. And, and I, I might even be beginning to lose some friends here, and, I, and it may continue. But I, I, really, I really don't like camping. I know. There's some gasps. And I work hard to keep and maintain a mortgage so that I don't need to sleep outside. <laughs> I, I don't see the appeal. You know, some people have even said, Pete, what are you going to do? I mean, this training is important and it's a good practice. I mean, what will you do during like the end times or something? And, and, and everything is taken from you and you need to survive in the woods. I'd say, well, I guess I get to see Jesus before you. Because I'm just not going to make and that's, And that's just, it's completely fine with me. I don't see the appeal of, of packing up my house and packing it in coolers and in, in bags and going outside. and I just don't get it. Here's, a, here's another thing I don't like. <laughs> Hiking. I, you, you know it's just a fancy... I know, right? You know it's just a fancy word for walking, right? It's like... It's walking on uneven, jagged ground. That's what hiking is. Hey, you want to go walk around the desert? No, I don't. I really, I really don't. So at the entrance of a lot of trails, you might see are, are signs that say, um, take only photographs, leave only footprints. You've seen that, right? How selfish is that? It's like, walk around for a while, sprain an ankle, and then go home. Get out of here. It's like, that's what it's saying. It's like, I don't, I don't get this. You're thinking, this guy hates nature. No, I, I love sports. A lot of sports are played outside. Um, there's, there's a point, there's a reward to it. And you're thinking, well, running is a sport. And it's like, no, running is just hiking really fast. I mean, that's just... So, so the worst is like cross-country running, because that's like hiking and running at the same time. So anyway, the reason why I mention it's like, what is going on? The reason I mention this is because it's helpful to understand our passage, because... These things, I don't have to like. I mean, I can, I can definitely look at things in my life and say, you know what, it's just not for me. I can say at the end of the day, there are certain things that are not my thing, and that is okay. And Hebrews 12 uses a sports analogy to motivate believers of Jesus into a life of vibrant faith. And I'm aware that there are things that are really wonderful about all of things, like hiking and running and camping. There are things where there's, the, the, there's enjoyment in the process and also in the outcome. But the, it's just not for me. And there may be certain things about Christianity that you just love, that is, are very easy to love. Like, I love justification by faith. I mean, I love the idea that we can trust in Jesus and be forgiven for our sins, not by any work that we do, but because of what Jesus did. I love that. What a great thing. But it can also be a thing where we can say, but a passionate pursuit of Jesus, a passionate, vibrant pursuit of Jesus where my whole life is oriented around him, it's just not my thing. And so a faith that trusts in Jesus but has no passionate pursuit of Jesus is not an option from our passage here in Hebrews 12. And so I want to, as we walk through this, I want to celebrate all that God has done for us, that he has done for us, that he's he's justified us by faith, that he has adopted us into his family, that he's forgiven us, that he gives us assurance of hope in Christ, that he secures us to his love. But I also want to celebrate all that he calls us to. To celebrate faith is not only confessional, confessional being like saying, here's what I believe. 
but it is also practiced. It's saying, this, therefore, this is how I live. This is how I engage in my life. And I believe this passage encourages us and directs us into loving both. So I want to be clear as we dive into this passage. We are saved by grace alone, through faith, alone, apart from any works on our own behalf. There is nothing that we can do that can tip the scales to make us worthy of God's love. Like we're on some kind of uneven ground and then we kind of somehow tip the scales and God says, okay, now you are worthy enough. There's nothing that we can do to do that. I'm not endorsing moralism. By, which is saying, I'm here, here's a bunch of good things that you can do to have a better life, a, a more enjoyable life in your family, in your work, in your community. I'm not endorsing legalism, which is saying, which believes that your good behavior is what earns your favor and forgiveness from God. However, a faith which saves, saves us is marked by a faith that pursues God and all that he has for us. That, in, that has endurance in this race, that runs this race with our eyes fixed on Christ. This is the race that is described in Hebrews chapter 12. There's a faith that secures us in God's love. And it is the same faith that propels us towards Christ and towards his love in all that we do. And I believe this passage is about, about people that are passionate about both of those things. And so therefore, as we look at this passage, we need two things. We need direction. We need direction for how to live a life of faith that is described. And we also need encouragement. Who of us don't need encouragement to live a life of faith, to run that race of endurance? We need it. And both of these are critical in sport. We need a a, a route. We need a game plan. We need rules. We need direction for how to play the game. There are fundamentals to every sport, and yet we need encouragement as well. We need cheerleaders. We need people to come alongside us that are rooting for us because it can be challenging, because we get weak, because we struggle. And I want to look at both of those this morning, direction and encouragement. Let's look at the first, direction. He says, lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight that hinders us. The pastor here in this passage who's writing this is very aware of the practices of first century Roman racers, of runners. He is very aware of what they, the attire for a runner in Rome. And many historians even believe that they ran these races, careful, completely naked completely in the nude. And in fact, there was this procedure where they would go in these mud pits, these specially formulated mud pits. And the mud, they'd come out and the mud would get really hard and cling onto their hair. And they'd take these metal crescents and they would scrape their skin, removing all the hair on their bodies. They're running these races like, 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 a, like a litter of newborn mice or something. Like they're, sorry, they're, they're running just completely new. But, let's, but the point is that they are they're, they're casting off every weight, every ounce, everything that would hinder them from running well and running freely. We understand this, whether it's boxing or running or, or many other sports. I mean, bicycling, it's removing every ounce, getting metal that is as light as possible, strong and light, getting shoes that are really small. Have you ever seen a, a marathon runner and what they wear? 
I mean, they're wearing like 1970s NBA basketball shorts. It's like really, really short. They're like really small. And so we cannot run the race in the same way a Christian ought to throw off all that hinders us, everything which might stop us from loving God freely. We cannot run this race of faith effectively if we're carrying this weight of sin in our life. This passage calls it out as it is. He says these are, this is sin, the things that we carry that keep us from loving God freely. These weights in our life, what they do is they, they keep us from going to God's word and feeling free to really read it with a clear conscience and to receive what it has for us. We are holding something back. It, it hampers our ability to really enjoy this process of reading Scripture. It hinders our effectiveness and, and enjoyment of prayer so we don't go to God in prayer because there's all these things lingering in our heart that we feel ashamed about that are weighing us down. We're hindered in our love for others because there's unreconciled issues in those relationships. And so it's just a part of our life that we just don't deal with or don't focus on. What are these weights for us? They can be countless things. They could be internal things. They could be external things. Someone told me this past week that our fears are determined by what we worship. And I thought about that, and it was very true. If we're afraid of what people think about us, then we are worshiping other people's idea of us, that we're placing our, we're worshiping the idea that our value comes from what others think. If we're afraid of change, then we're worshiping some sort of idea that we can control certain aspects of our life, and if it changes, then we fear what might become of that. If we fear failure, then we're worshiping success and the idea that we're actually better off with God the better we do. And we need to throw these things off because we have such a long race to endure. We are to run with endurance, the passage says. Another word that is used for endurance instead of, instead of endurance is patience. We are to run with patience. Hebrews 12 is thoroughly honest as it relates to us, as the life of a Christian, what it looks like to run that race, that it is actually, it's difficult, it's long, it's not a sprint, it is a long marathon. It is not about believing in Christ, being on fire for Christ in a short amount of time, and then just sitting back on your lazy boy while Jesus just kind of blesses us and serves us. But it's a race that we endure, and it requires a lot of patience. You know, the word here used in verse 1 for race is actually the Greek word agon, and it's where we get the English word agony. And I want to read verse 1. I'm not in the habit of changing scripture, but for the sake of this morning, I want to read this with this new word. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the agony that is set before us. It is so honest about what it really is like to live a life pursuing Jesus. Not that we should pursue agony, not that we should welcome it, not that we should look for it, but the reality of it is that there is, there is joy, but there is also agony as we wrestle with sin in our life, as we struggle to, to cast off these things that hinder us from knowing God and loving Him. Every athlete understands this agony. Every athlete, every sport, every competition understands that there is agony in their sport. And so they discipline themselves to run well. 
They train themselves. They are in the gym. They're putting in countless hours. They're spending more time preparing for the competition than actually in the competition themselves. What are your weights? I know mine. At least I know some of mine. Some may even be hidden. Some I may be ignorant of. I understand I have blind spots. What are yours? That's the funny thing about blind spots, isn't it? We don't really know what they are. But they're there. There are things that are weighing us down. There are things that are hindering our ability to love God freely. And to say everything in my life is about you. Everything is oriented around you. What are those attitudes, those behaviors, those thoughts or emotions that make you say, well, I would just feel so ashamed, so embarrassed if Jesus were here right now? Whatever that is, whatever comes to your mind as you think of that, those are the weights that God says to us, throw those off. Cast them off. Throw off the weights, not carelessly, but with your eyes, as our passage leads us to think about, with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith the creator, and also the finisher of our faith. Jesus ran the race that we should have run so that we would get the prize that only he deserved. He endured the agony of the cross with joy. Does that confuse you, as it says this in our passage? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He approached this race and ran it with joy, knowing the agony that was going to come to him. And this joy was from an overflow of his love for us. The goal of the Christian life is not to feel better about ourselves, but to increasingly receive and to be transformed by the love of Christ. He is directing us. He is transforming us. He is encouraging us in this race of faith. He is empowering us by His Spirit to enable us to cast off these sins on Him. And He has taken them freely to the cross. And so as we look at this this series of near the cross and we look at Christ and what He has done, we say, I can cast off these things. Why? Because Christ has taken them to the cross. He has disarmed their shame. He has disarmed their power to control me, to direct my life, to influence my life. And now I'm being influenced by Christ and his power in me. For the Christian, loving Jesus is is the most practical thing. For a Christian, loving Jesus is not a, a sentimental thing. It's not merely an emotional thing. It is the love that we are rooted in, in His sacrifice and wonderful work for us that gives us motivation and basis for everything that we do. Here's from a daily devotional that I read in Oswald Chambers. He says, It is not a lack of spiritual experience that leads to failure, but a lack of working to keep our eyes focused and on the right goal. A life of faith is run with our eyes on Jesus, not anything else. A life of vibrant faith in God is run fixated on Him, knowing that there are countless distractions around us. 
Now, I, I talked a lot about hating running, but I actually did compete in a 5K a couple years ago. It's for a good cause. And don't act like you're not impressed. And uh, <clears throat> as, I, as I neared the finish line, I approach the finish line, and I'm running, and I'm tired, and I see that it's close, and, and, and then there's this girl that is about 40 yards ahead of me, 40, 50 yards ahead of me, and she is struggling, and she's close to the finish line, and it, she is just, like, really tired. And it's like paramedics need to come out and help this girl because she is not going to make it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need to win the race. I don't need to be first. But I need to beat her, you know? <laughs> I need to beat her. And so everything that I had in me, I, I mustered up and I ran quickly. I know, right? Not what you expected. And I, and I ran and I beat her and I looked at the time afterwards and, 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 I, there was, and I beat this girl by two seconds. And I was saying, I made it. I did it. I reached my goal. You know, and there's this other story you may have heard. There are two guys in the woods, and they encounter a bear, and one reaches in his backpack as they're very quiet and begins to change his hiking boots into his running shoes. And, and the first friend looks at him and says, there's no way you're going to outrun this, this bear. And the second guy says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> so we often think of a life of faith like this, that a, a good... A good life of faith. When we are not looking at Christ, we often look at others. And we're saying, I don't need to be best. I mean, come on, what kind of goal is that? But I just need to be better than you. See, a life of faith is, is comparing ourselves. It can be comparing ourselves to other people and saying, I'm doing okay. I'm not really bad. I'm not horrible. I'm not, I'm not doing horrible things. I mean, who, whose goal is to be the best? I mean, I'm not, I'm not placing myself in that category. I just want to... Do better than some. And when we do that, we say, I'm living a life of faith. I'm living a life as God has intended for me. And we feel good about it. We often feel very good that we're pleasing to God in our life because we're not, these, we're not as bad as everybody else. Or at least we're not as bad as them. We're not as bad as we could be. And our life of faith is instead fixated on Jesus as if we were the only ones running. Looking to Jesus is about focus. Focus on the work that He has done for our basis and motivation for everything we do in life. So, so why do you act the way that you act? Because I'm fixed on Jesus. Why do you grieve the way you do and, and work through your problems the way that you do? Because I'm fixated on Jesus. Why do you spend money the way that you spend it? Because I'm fixed on Jesus. Why do you treat your spouse and family and friends the way that you do? Because I'm fixed on Jesus. This is how we run a life of faith. This is how we run this race of faith. Focused on Christ. Who knows exactly what we're going through. Because He has run the same race. And endured the agony. He has lived the life of faith. Maybe even I would suggest that focusing on our own race and on ourselves is the thing that we need to be throwing off. The thing that is weighing us down. It's like in the gym and you have the mirror in front of you. You're saying, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. Nice form. I got the form. So you're focused on yourself. I read my Bible. I go to church. I prayed today. I'm nice to people when I have opportunity. Even these things can be weights 
Even these things can be sins if motivated in the wrong way. Even these things can hinder us from seeing Jesus. When we have our list of regimented things that this is what God wants me to do, there, I did them, now I'm at peace. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your character and how you're upholding it. Don't look at your habits. Look at Christ and run towards Him. You may be wondering, well, what then is the the key to faith? What is the key to a life of faith? What do I do? What should I finally start doing to run this race well? Look at Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And you will soon love the things that he loves, and you will hate the things that he hates, and you will run towards the things that he has for you. And even when he brings you things that are desirable, you will say, I embrace these, I receive these, I may not like it, but I know that you love me. So I am going to run towards you in the midst of my agony. That's why our passage says, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't run towards it. That's not my encouragement to you. Don't find it. Don't be one of those Christians that say, God is happy with me when I am miserable. But as he gives us his life, see, this passage says, the race that is set before us. And this means that God has placed before us the race that we should run. And we should run it by faith. He is not only an example, but he is the finisher of our faith. That without him, there is no faith, there is no hope. He knows what we need, not only our direction, but he knows that we need encouragement and a lot of it. That's our second point. That we need, in order to run this race well, we need a lot of encouragement. It is nice, especially in a long race, like a marathon, to have people lining the streets. You've seen this lining these cycling races, they're lining the streets, and even in, in different sports like football, they have cheerleaders that are rooting on the participants. We need cheerleaders and people that are lining the streets of our lives and encouraging us. And one of the encouragements that we are given is that there, there is this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And look at this Look at this passage in in, in verse 1, and and maybe this is familiar to you. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. And then it goes on and on. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us live this certain way. And many of you have heard this passage preached in such a way. There are a lot of people watching you. There are a lot of people paying attention to what you do. So don't mess up. That is not what this means. See, instead of people, witnesses can be seen in two different ways. Witnesses being they're witnessing you, they're watching you, they're paying attention to every single move, so do the right thing. But they are witnesses of the joy of finishing the race. They have run our race, and they're at the finish line, and they are witnesses of the reward of finishing this painful race well. They are the ones at the finish line cheering us on. And they are yelling as we are approaching it. They're saying, it's worth it. 
It's good over here. It was worth all of the pain of throwing off sin. It was worth all the missed opportunities that sin offered. It was worth focusing on Jesus. Do it. It's great. Don't get tired. Keep pushing. Keep fighting. It is in that way they are witnesses. Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter right before Hebrews 12, is is called the, the Hall of Faith. It lists over a dozen people that have gone before, people in the Old Testament that have run this race in the midst of great suffering and opposition and challenges of different kinds. And the writer of Hebrews is asking his audience to think about their spiritual heroes. Think about the people that you look up to who are running well and have run well. And I imagine as he's writing this letter and the people are reading it, there are many people that are thinking of different names as they come up. Like maybe the young children are thinking of people like, like Abel. And, and the old men are thinking of Abraham. And <clears throat> maybe the religious types, the real regimented people are, are thinking of Moses. And the extroverts are thinking of Noah and the ones that love adventure. You know, they're thinking of Noah and the hero of their faith. And the young ladies are saying Sarah or Rahab or, or Esther. And the teenage boys are saying King David or Gideon. You know, the first, the original 300 Spartans. You know, the jocks are saying Samson, right? I killed a thousand people with a donkey bone. What's cooler than that? Samson, that's my hero, right? They accomplished what they did, though. Look at all of these people that have gone before us, these witnesses that have run the race. They have, they accomplished what they did, not by their own competency, but because of their dependence on God. In the face of struggle and grief and fear of death, they believed God and His promise and they ran towards Him. It's easy to say, well, of course they did. These are like, come on, you're throwing out some big names. These are like the superheroes of the faith. Do you realize that you and I, by faith in God, have nothing less than they did? And in fact, Hebrews 11 says that we actually have something more that we have a a realization of the fulfillment of God's promises in Christ, that they were looking forward to God's promise in Christ, and we actually look back, we see that everything that God has promised to us has come true, and everything He promises to us will come true in the future that we haven't seen already. That Jesus has come, that He has died for us, that He has risen from the dead, that He has defeated shame and sin and death forever, and all who trust in Him are given eternal life and friendship with Him? Do you realize that that is what we see when we look at the cross? Hebrews 12 recognizes that the life of faith will be difficult. You'll get tired of it. You'll get weary. You'll want to quit. You'll want to take your eyes off Jesus. And I'm telling you that you will. You might even be there right now. I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking it's not worth it. I'm thinking I missed something. I thought this was going to be great. There's some encouragement in these witnesses saying to us, you're not the first person to have a difficult time being a Christian. And Jesus himself is our greatest hero, the greatest example that a life lived committed to the will of God and turning our focus to him and our race of faith, running it with endurance, yields a reward of joy and eternal life. And how do we know that these struggles will turn out to be what he has said that they will be? Because he loves us. That he is a promise-keeping God. 
that there are people rooting for us, saying, you can do this by faith in Christ. It is worth it. Keep going. Keep running. Don't give up. Don't turn aside from this race. Instead, turn aside the things that are keeping you from going forward with confidence. Look to Jesus. Consider him. You know, to look to Jesus, to consider him, it, this means to trust in him. To trust in Jesus. To live by the cross is to look at Christ and his love expressed for us on the cross and to trust in him. Without Jesus, there is no faith. He is the founder. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher of all that he has called us to. He endured the agony of the cross so that all who trust in him will be forgiven, renewed, restored, accepted, and with him for all eternity. So where are you in that race this morning? Where are you in, what are you in need of as you are called to run this race? Do you need direction? Jesus is the answer. He is our hope. He is our comforter and our encourager. He is the example and perfecter of our faith. Do you need, do you need a roadmap? Do you need guidelines? Do you need some kind of boundary? So what do I do? And my answer to you from Scripture is, You are to turn from a life that is lived apart from Christ and focus on Him, finding hope and forgiveness in Him. Do you need direction? Do you need examples? Look at the countless examples in Scripture. Hebrews 11 lists several of them. And all of these people had so much sin in their life. The example shows us that we are not received by God because of the competency of our character by the work of Jesus on our behalf. David was an adulterer. Abraham gave his wife away out of fear. Noah shamed his family and there was doubt. There was murder. There were so many opportunities and actually they indulged in many of them. But then the love of God kept them to endure this race, to focus back on Him. Do you need encouragement? I'm here to encourage you. God's scriptures are here to encourage you. I'm cheering for you. Don't give up. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, of people that are saying it is worth it. Keep pressing in. Keep trusting Jesus. And you might even feel... Gosh, but I don't even know any of those people. And then we are given the greatest example of Jesus. He says, okay, you might not know these people, but the Spirit of the living God lives in you. Hold tight to Him. Pursue Him. Love Him. Trust in Him. He is our hope, our strength, and our finisher. Let's pray. For more audio and information, please visit holycrosstucson.com.